Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the movies. Say hello to my little friend! The philosophy. Carpe diem. Seize the day. And the camaraderie. I feel the need. The need for speed. Ow! Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? You say either. I say either. You say neither. And I say neither. Either, either, and either, neither. And let's call the whole thing off. Ah, it's Stuck in the 80s time. I'm your host, Steve Spears from TampaBay.com. And uh, that was actually a live recording at the beginning of the show, believe it or not. From our special guest, uh, Sharon Fink, the pop cultural maven from the St. Petersburg Times. Am I not right? Um, no, Steve, you're not right. <laughs> Hate to make the audience drop off right away at the beginning of the show, but... Uh, um, She's it- right. We recorded that from her hours earlier. <laughs> but, uh, sorry. Um, Anyway, obviously we're here today to talk about uh, the 1989 film When Harry Met Sally, if that hasn't been a dead giveaway by now. Well, you never know. <laughs> we can be here to talk. Yeah, for the people who are looking for the, I don't know, Porn in the 80s podcast. This is it, actually. But, <laughs> they, uh, they might have thought they were in the right place. But. You know, for, for a movie that has probably the most infamous sex scene in it, there's actually no sex. Well, there is sex in it, but there's no nudity. Um, well, there's Sex you don't actually see, right? Right. There's like implied sex, right? And and the before only, and after right. sex. I mean, the most mental sex. There's even there's right. mental sex. You can almost say that the most famous sex scene of this movie is a fake one, right? Oh, absolutely, so. and a, and a very good one also, right? A lot of people consider this 1989 movie by directed by Rob Reiner and written by Nora Ephron as being probably one of the top 50 movies of all time. Oh, and, absolutely. So. And I know that it even has one of the more infamous quotes from it, the, uh, when Rob Reiner's mom, at the end of that sex scene, says, I'll have what she's having. Number 33 on the list of all, top 100 movie quotes of all time. Only number 33? Num- only number 33. Number I, one, I, obviously, was the, uh, frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. Oh, I thought number one was the end of the orgasm scene. <laughs> <laughs> ah, bueno. Uh, that's, that's the one I voted for, so. <laughs> So anyway, we're we're here to talk about this movie today because uh, it's a good one to talk about. It's right there at the end of the '80s, but um, hey, that's good enough for me, right? Oh, right. As you know, technically gets right in there, and and it's it's such a classic. It kind of goes beyond the, as much as it was '80s. It goes beyond the '80s, but it is rooted in that '80s sensibility. We said somehow. we said earlier it was directed by Rob Reiner. Who also directed Spinal Tap, American President, Princess Bride, and A Few Good Men? Would you say where would you rank this movie among his movies? Oh, comes in a tad under Spinal Tap, I would say. But this is this was really the first movie that you know broke out for him, I think, into a wider audience. I think even at that time, Spinal Tap it had its popularity, but it, it was still a was it was still a cult, a cult a thing cult more movie. than anything else. Right. And this was like real, I you think know, big it, major mainstream stream type thing right i think maybe princess bride was an 80s movie so it must have been before this oh i keep forgetting but, about that but still, that's, that's, but that's still not, so not my thing it's not <laughs> you're not going to join us for the princess bride podcast i'm not going to be here for the princess sean bride loves podcast. that movie he cries like a baby at the end of it every time i just want you to know that sean daly sean <laughs> and now now that he's not here this week we can say a bunch of other things like that about him too and he can't stop us go to our blog where we've written 100 bad things to say about sean daly <laughs> But uh, why does he cry like a baby at the end of it? it? 
when Buttercup and uh, Wesley finally meet, and uh, okay, that's have... why I'll never see this movie. There's someone in it named Buttercup. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you've never seen this movie. I've never seen this movie. Oh, I have man. no desire to ever see this movie. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. It's uh, it's it's not there for me. It's, it's not reeling me in. So anyway, back to the movie that we have actually seen. <laughs> uh, Harry and Sally, written also by Nora Ephron, who is also known for You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle. Right. She's, uh, she started with When Harry Met Sally, right. right? But already at the time, she had quite a reputation for being not only a good writer, but a very incisive observer of the human condition, not just specifically male-female relationships. But I also think by that time, she had been married and divorced to Carl Bernstein of right. Watergate yeah. fame. And, and she wrote I the think movie, she, uh, was, she still had a bit of a chip on her yeah, shoulder. Well, she wrote the movie Heartburn about their relationship, <laughs> just kind of a... Uh, That's right. I've forgotten about yeah. that. So that, so that, that came was, shortly before this. It's funny because you say that uh, Nora Ephron is known as a, a good observer of life. A lot of the writing that she did for this movie was based on her sit-down conversations with Rob Reiner, who at that time, he admits, was going through a, a prolonged period of depression. And oh, he, he, he had just gotten divorced or was I in the process so. of getting right. divorced? And and much of the character that B- Billy Crystal plays in the movie, Harry Burns, is based directly on, on things that Rob Reiner was doing in his life at that point. And a lot of the things he said were things that actually came out of Rob Reiner's mouth in conversations that he had with Nora Ephron. So. And wasn't it... Like right after the movie wrap, that Rob Reiner then met the woman he eventually married, and he's still married to. Is Actually, what? he met her on the set of okay. the movie. He met her at the set, um, the famous the wagon wheel coffee table. <laughs> that scene was the was the scene where he actually did meet his future wife, and she they, she did the wagon wheel coffee table. No, I don't was know that? what her role. I just. I, I just I love the wagon wheel coffee table scene. Anything- oh, that's, that's that's great. That's such a great scene. It's such an ugly table, but it's. It kind of has its charm and its, it's ugliness. A, it's a guy table. It is a guy table. Ooh, which brings yes. up a good question. I know that we had you here before many months ago when we talked about guy movies. Oh, yes. And yes. Uh, so here's my question on this one. Is this – this is obviously not a guy movie. Is it a chick flick or is it the perfect balance between the two? I think it's the perfect balance between the two. I wouldn't necessarily classify it strictly as a chick flick uh, because I – think a lot of women learned a lot of things about men by watching this movie. But I also think a lot of men learned things about women by seeing this movie. It's kind of like, you know, the crib notes version of men are from Mars and women are from Venus. I never thought of it that way. Um, You really, you get like a nice, quick, incisive, capsulized look at the other sex, everything you basically need to know, and then you can take it from there and do what you will. Let's talk about... The number one thing that gets given away, the number one guy secret that gets that gets given away in this movie, and it all is uncovered in this scene. Let's hear it. You realize, of course, that we can never be friends. Why not? What I'm saying is, and this is not a come on in any way, shape, or form, is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. That's not true. I have a number of men friends and there is no sex involved. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. You only think you do. You're saying I'm having sex with these men without my knowledge? No, what I'm saying is they all want to have sex with you. They do not. Do too. Oh, Billy, Billy, 
Billy, why did you have to give that away? I know. I mean, is, isn't that like one of the moments like guys take away from the movie going, oh, geez, why didn't you just keep his mouth shut? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> now that they know we're doomed. I once wrote this really long blog item about, you know, I think it was 20 reasons why you should never watch this movie with a, with a female. And number one on the list was, I mean, Billy Crystal gives away the guy, a guy's biggest secret, which is we can't be friends with women without wanting to have sex with them <laughs> or thinking about having sex with them. Well, and I think like every woman who sees this movie with a guy will spend much of this scene just turning to him and saying, is this true? Is this true? Is that this what... isn't true. Is that really what you think? Is that the only reason you're with me? And then, you know, then the hitting starts <laughs> and then other people in the movie theater or whoever you're watching the movie with starts telling you to shut up. And... When you saw it the first time, is that did, did you question whether or not that was true or did you go or did you just sort of know in your mind it was true? That, that I, I knew it was true. I, that was an aha moment for me. Aha! I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it all the time. They just never admit it. So answer me this then. So, so do you agree with him that a, a man and a woman cannot be friends without sex somehow being in the picture? Even not, if it's... not being a man. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I really can't speak to the truth of it. Okay. So, um, let me, so then let me flip so, it around. So I, that would be a question I would, should be asking you. Oh, so are you asking me then? I am asking you this. Um, un- unless you feel like you'll be drummed out you know, of it's, the, it's, 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 the secret man-haters society. I have women that I consider to be friends that I have never thought about having sex with. I, th- I think that's very noble. Of so I mean, I would I would like to think that men and women can be friends, and that just doesn't enter into it, you know. But I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I know it does sometimes, and probably I don't know more often than you know we naively still want to believe. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I think men and women can be friends and not have that enter into so it. So do you do you have men friends that that you have uh, never ha- wanted to have sex with or never thought about having sex with? Absolutely. Really, that's good. I guess. <laughs> not, being, not being really close friends with you, it doesn't apply to me either way. Ah, <laughs> oh, Billy. I, I, th- I think what's really funny, though, is when he comes back and, he's, and she says, so you can be friends with someone you find unattractive. Attractive. And he says, no, you pretty much want to nail them, too. No. Oh, man. I mean, that's where it really kind of was like, oh, great, Billy, thanks. <laughs> you've, you've poisoned the well forever. And I, I've got to say that's probably my favorite scene of the whole movie. I mean, that's when I know this movie is is really going to be uh, one for the ages. Right. It's, I, I think that's the first real moment. And it comes early in the movie the where first, you think this, the, is, this really at least has potential. If right. not, this could be a really smart, funny movie. Right. They're, that's the, in the scene when they're driving back from the University of Chicago back to New York. And, right. because, and because he was the only one that she knew in New York, now they, they can't be friends. Right. But, of course, as everybody knows, they go on to, to meet each other throughout – Right, it's like the years. F- five years later, she's in an airport snogging President Gerald Ford's oh, son. Oh, you, you knew that. <laughs> yeah, the guy who plays Joe is is Gerald Ford's son, Stephen Ford. Yes. Who, and when you look at him, it's dead giveaway. It, I, it really is. And he was trying so hard to be an actor. And <laughs> Has he ever done anything else? I, I should have looked that up before the show. At, at some point, I know he was on The Young and the Restless for a while. He had a role in The Young and the Restless I, I want to say he still shows up occasionally in some kind of projects that wow. you know aren't necessarily the I liked Des Moines dinner theater production of The Music Man, <laughs> but not I'm not sure. I liked him in that role. I thought I thought he really sold her when when she when he denied that that, that was true, sure. and then she asked him, "Well, do you have any female friends that are just friends?" And he just has this look on his face like, "No, no." <laughs> I mean, maybe that's all Rob Reiner. Maybe yeah. he's that much of a genius. 
He could be. <laughs> he could be. Well, and then he went on to make North, which says maybe not. But anyway, <laughs> back to this movie. Here's the other. Here's the thing. Now, we, we revealed a secret about men with the whole can't be friends with a woman without wanting to have sex. Here's the secret I think that gets – not the secret about women, but something that's important that's revealed about women. The whole high-maintenance versus low-maintenance women. Do you, are you a subscriber to that theory? Oh, yes. Yep. Absolutely. Are you high-maintenance or low-maintenance? Or are you the worst kind? <laughs> are you high-maintenance but you think you're low-maintenance? See, that's, I, I get so uptight about this question. I think I'm low-maintenance. But then sometimes I think, well, maybe I am one of those low maintenance people, one of those high maintenance people who thinks they're low maintenance. <laughs> but I, I think I'm, I'm all in all pretty low maintenance. Do you order, do you order food the way that Sally Albright does in the movie? No, I don't. Okay. Which I think is the one big thing that makes me low maintenance. I, uh, I don't really get into whole sale reconstruction of the menu when I'm ordering <laughs> food. Yeah, I'll have the salmon, but can you make it tuna? <laughs> it's like order the stupid food off the menu. I love so. so it's 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 after they meet I guess the third time that we find out that that Meg Ryan and and Gerald Ford's son <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to call him Joe anymore have broken up. Right. And we get to hear that great scene about why it is that they broke up. And I, we love this scene so much we're going to listen to it now. Joe and I used to talk about it and we'd say, you know, we're so lucky we have this wonderful relationship. We can have sex on the kitchen floor and not worry about the kids walking in. We can fly off to Rome on a moment's notice. The thing is, Joe, we never do fly off to Rome on a moment's notice. On the kitchen floor? Not once. It's this very cold, hard Mexican ceramic tile. Ah, the Mexican tile. Tile. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds, it's such great imagery, just never having actually experienced, done that on Mexican tile myself. Any tile? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, don't th but, I don't think so, but. But when you're walking around some, somewhere and you see what looks like Mexican tile, do you not think back to this movie and say, you know, that does look hard and cold. It, exactly. I mean, it just. <laughs> The whole image of it makes it – I can like feel it without ever having done it. I just know it would be hard and cold and I would <laughs> I never want to do it. I can feel it without done it either. Mm. Uh, but that's <sighs> – Yeah. But, you know, the also mm. other good part of that whole speech too was, you know, how what, we always thought we could jet off to Rome in a moment's notice and we never did that either. And We're journalists uh, here. So if we can jet off to uh, Palatka on a moment's <laughs> notice, that would be uh, still a budget buster for it's, us. It's, oh, so true. So sad but true. But we'd still be excited to go if they let us do it. That's the even sadder <laughs> yeah, thing. This is true. Ooh, the day's in in Palatka. Ooh. There'd be no hard ceramic, ceramic. mixing <laughs> tile. It'd be like a gringy vinyl flooring if, at most, I would think. Really? Or the, the outdoor carpet. The stained, ripped outdoor carpet. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm still up for it, though. That's what's sad. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing that really makes this movie, what I think makes it timeless, is um, the music. Yeah. You've got Harry Connick Jr. I know not everyone's a big fan, including our producer over there, who's throwing <laughs> oh, things at Dave. me. He doesn't like Harry Connick Jr. How can you not like Harry Connick Jr.? Dave. <laughs> <laughs> he won't say. Uh, Dave says while holding his nose and sticking out his tongue. <laughs> but uh, I had never even heard of him before this movie, had you? No, I, I hadn't. I, I think this was also his first big mainstream thing. Um, I think he was about 20 years old when he did it. And I, I want to say he'd released an album. Beforehand. Beforehand. You know, just one of his solo deals, but don't hold me to that. But this was really the thing that, that pushed him out there, like, and sent him on his 
Mary, Mary standard singing, acting Acting way. way. Have you ever, ever seen any of his movies? I saw Memphis Belle. I saw... Was it Copycat that he did? Where he was the murder, murderer? I think, I think that was it. I didn't see that. Um, but Hope Floats, that Sandra Bullock oh, movie. God. And <laughs> I, I'm not even sure why I saw that because I'm not a Sandra Bullock person. But I think it was on TV and I just... Oh, okay. It's one of those things that, you know... It's gonna sucked me. <laughs> not, he's not the worst actor on the earth. But did I, you did you own the album? Did you have the soundtrack for this movie when it came out? Not when it came out. I got, I bought it eventually, and yeah. I still own it in my CD collection. Aww. But I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that when like my friends are over and they're rifling through my CD collection, I make sure I hide it behind my books, <laughs> along with my copy of um, Genesis Invisible Touch. Those are both back there. And I actually think I have the Inya box set, and I try to hide that one too. Ooh. <laughs> This show is just inspiring take, you to give out ta- more man secrets. You're going to take, take away my man card? So, um, not yet. <laughs> uh, not, I don't know. We, we may hear from other men who want to take away your man card. But. Yeah, I don't think so. But uh, since we're talking about Harry, why don't we listen to one of his. This is my favorite song from the movie. This is uh, I Can Write a Book. And the simple secret of the pride is just to tell them. That I love you a lot Then the world discovers As my book ends How to make two lovers a friend Ah, Harry Connick Jr. Is there nothing better? Oh, and that's from your CD? It is actually, and I've told Dave that he can keep it because I don't need it anymore. Oh, I was looking forward to the big wrestling match Dave, at the end over, Dave, your, over keep YouTube. Keep the CD for me after the show, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dave's That's already right. gotten on eBay trying to raise an extra uh, nickel. No, I have a theory about I have a theory about Harry Connick Jr. I think that you can put him and James Taylor together, and it's the ultimate seduction collection for any woman, or for any man to use against a woman. <laughs> it renders you powerless. Confirm or deny? Uh, deny. <laughs> Who would, you, who would you rather me sub out? Uh, James Taylor. Keep I okay. Keep Harry Connick Jr. Sub in. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No. That's a perfect melding. Or 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 you know, no. Simon Le Bon's get, a close second. Si- <laughs> really? You want some? Uh, I- save a prayer for you now. Oh yeah. You know. A little Rio then you sta- action. You stand up and. Start waving and you know. <laughs> no, seriously. With, if there's no James Taylor, then who am I? Have to, who do I need to to pick? Oh wow, my standards are very high. It could take me days <laughs> to come up with somebody. Um, okay, I won't press you for it. All right, if if I come up with something for the yeah. end of the show, in the, I'll mil- just in jump the middle, in in middle and, of the show, she's gonna go. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> but uh, and of course, it it doesn't necessarily. Uh, they don't need music in this movie, but they do eventually. Harry and Sally connect, right? And have the right, right, right. Have the infamous uh, scene where Joe has decided to get remarried, so Sally is vulnerable. <laughs> so Harry comes over. And I, I like how you said vulnerable. vulnerable. <laughs> that, he, then, says, he says the drool starting yeah. to come out of the side of his Flame mouth. Shoot from my eyes. <laughs> the. Uh, and so they have sex. Of course, we don't get to see it, which is probably just as well. I don't no. really. I can live the rest of my life without seeing uh, Billy Crystal have sex. Yes, I. Me too. So I ask this question real quick. Quick aside: Best Billy Crystal movie ever, or no? I I say yes, but I haven't seen that many Billy Crystal movies. And so you have to compare it against. I throw it up against um, <laughs> the Princess Bride, which we know. 
Let's see. Well, yeah. Throw Mama from the Train, which I wouldn't put in my top list. City Slickers. Forget Paris. I, I would say those are the other. Forget that movie. Um, but I also, wow. I've never seen City Slickers, but I think that's, wow. that's also a guy movie. Yeah, so. I guess. It's a good movie. You really need to see that one. I don't even know what year that was. 1991. So I guess we won't be talking about that one anytime soon. <laughs> so, so they get together finally. They're laying in bed. And uh, it harkens. Then, and here we are watching them cuddle. And it harkens, it harkens back to one of the earlier secrets that Billy gives up from the manhood, <laughs> from which he'll never be forgiven. Or reinstated. And now your teeth are grinding. And I know. God. The flames are shooting from your eyes for a different reason. Parts of my body are tensing up far more so than they need to be at this point. <laughs> the cuddle problem, as we like to call it, right? Right. So let's let Billy explain the cuddle problem. You go dancing, you do the white man's overbite, go back to her place, you have sex, and the minute you're finished, you know what goes through your mind? How long do I have to lie here and hold her before I can get up and go home? Is 30 seconds enough? That's what you're thinking. Is that true? Sure. All men think that. How long do you like to be held afterwards? All night, right? See, that's the problem. Somewhere between 30 seconds and all night is your problem. I don't have a problem. Yeah, you do. An interesting problem. Problem, yes or no? Do you believe that this is a a true thing or not? Oh, absolutely, totally true thing. Another aha moment for women in the movie where they will go, yes, I knew it. I knew it. They'll so, never admit it, but I knew so it. So answer the question then. If if uh, if um, Sally Albright's problem is between thirty seconds and all night, where is your problem? <laughs> Where's my problem? How long do you need to How long do you need to be held afterwards? Again, because I like to consider myself a low maintenance person, um, I'll say five minutes. Ah, five minutes. Wonderful. Because then I want to roll over and go to sleep. <laughs> And, and, you know, body parts start falling asleep. It does get a little uncomfortable, you know. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, we, Five minutes. Wow. That's, where was Harry when... when uh, oh, not my uh, type. So not your type. Too well. short. Too, too short. Too curly hair. Too curly hair. Yeah. So. so they finally get together. Of course, it doesn't work out because he takes off. He actually does spend the night, though. But you can see that's right. But then he tries to sneak out while she's still asleep. And if you actually, if you uh, if you rent the DVD of this, or rent or buy the DVD of this movie, and you look at the deleted scenes, there's a deleted scene showing Harry awake at night. Just Meg is asleep. Oh wow! Billy Crystal's awake, and the um, alarm clock that's next to him is flashing the time. And all you do is you see Harry's face just being. Every other second, illuminated by the uh, numbers of <laughs> I've this clock. I've never seen this. This is great. It's 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 torture as a guy to watch it because you're like, oh god, I've been there. <laughs> just seeing that that clock just light his face up every second and a half, and so finally, I guess he gets the guts to slide out of bed and slip on out of there. So, but it was God daylight. bless you, Harry. <laughs> it was daylight when he left, or early daylight when he leaves, right? Yeah, it was dawn. It was dawn because he had a meeting. He gets full credit. <laughs> he had to go clean his and irons. Before a squash game. Before a squash game. Now, we don't get to know the most important question of all time, which is, yes, they had sex the night before, but did Sally have to fake it? <laughs> and and would Harry have, have, known. Re- have known if she did? So let's just throw it on the table. You knew it was coming eventually. The infamous fake orgasm discussion. <laughs> but it's- Cue the trumpet flare. boom, 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 boom. Here we go. 
Just get it on the table for us. I, I guess I guess they say most women have faked an orgasm. Right. I mean that, and that's also a very good. We'll call it a statistic. Meg Ryan cites before she goes into her demonstration, right. and you know she says to him, "Well, you know, you do the math." Right. Most women have done, have done it. it at one time or another, and you think you know you've never had a woman do it to you. That's a that you, a lot of people would say that's the most famous scene in the movie. It's funny because um, it, the script didn't call for that. The skip the script talked called for them talking about faking orgasms, kind of like how we're doing here, not actually somebody actually doing it. It was I her idea. Think I knew this. It was her idea to say, "Let's go ahead and actually demonstrate it." Don't say Meg Bryan doesn't make sacrifices for her art. <laughs> she I mean. is an artiste. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how realistic is her fake orgasm? Oh, ten. Really? Ten. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Done. You, you, you were out with that answer really quick. <laughs> it, it's it's yes, yes. it's I I yes. think that truly yes. is an artistic yes. moment. Yes. But that's uh, I think one of. Or the biggest, you know, female yes. secret that comes out in the movie that, you know, yes. not only yes, do we do yes. it, but, you know, we yes. get an insight into our oh. methods and what to look for. I mean, oh. I mean, can you tell? Oh, God. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I get a feeling, you know. <laughs> you know what, what, what clues you in? The snoring, usually. <laughs> um, but um, the, you know... I don't. I didn't think of that as being a big secret because I, I think I was aware of the fact that that women did that, so it wasn't a big secret. You know, seeing her do it that well was a little scary, <laughs> but uh, and maybe a little. So, too maybe up. that's the big secret: women can do it very, very well. easily. Yeah. And, um, you know, there used to that that scene took place at Cat's Deli in New York City, and there actually for a long time was a little um, plaque on that table that said, "Congratulations, you're sitting where Harry met Sally." Did, did they ever name a sandwich? You know, well, after what sandwich the, would you the name? Or the moment? I, don't, sand- I don't know. The, the big O. The big O. <laughs> oh, jeez. You know, if you want to say, I'll have what she's having, order our big O. And <laughs> you, know that, I, you know the people who work there have got to be sick of that by now. People, people, I, bet, I bet it's happened where people sat there and said, oh, I dare you to do what she did. Right. And, Oh God! I've never been there, so and probably never will go there. But you mentioned that one, um, that one line. I'll have what she's having, which is considered to be one of the most famous quotes from the movie. We actually compiled our list of top ten quotes from this movie, and of course, which that is one of them. Yeah, <laughs> as if. So let us cue it up the top ten quotes from when Harry met Sally. Number 10. It's amazing. You look like a normal person, but actually you are the angel of death. Number 9. I take it back, okay? I take it back. You can't take it back. Why not? Because it's already out there. Oh, geez, what are we supposed to do? Call the cops, it's already out there. Just let it lie. Number 8. <gasps> and I'm gonna be 40! When? In eight years. But it's there! Number seven. Emily is terrific. Yeah. Of course, when I asked her where she was when Kennedy was shot, she said Ted Kennedy was shot? Number six. I made love to this woman, and it was so incredible, I took her to a place that wasn't human. She actually me out. 
You made a woman meow? Number five. Marriages don't break up on account of infidelity. It's just a symptom that something else is wrong. Really? Well, that symptom is f***ing my wife. Number four. You know, you may be the first attractive woman I have not wanted to sleep with in my entire life. That's wonderful, Harry. Number three. Waiter, there is too much pepper on my paprikash. <laughs> Waiter, there, there is, is too, too much, much pepper, pepper on my paprikash. On my paprikash. But I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. Number two. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him too. And number one. I'll have what she's having. Yowzers. Ah, uh, what's your favorite line? My favorite line: "You made a woman meow." <laughs> I love that line. I'm sorry. Have, have you ever made a woman meow, Steve? Oh God, I wish. Bark. Life is still young. I mean, I, life. I still have a chance. It's I'm like going ten, for the meow. ten things to do before you die. I'm going for any. I'll, at this point in my life, I'll go for any animal noise whatsoever. It doesn't even need to be a domesticated animal. I'll go for uh, moo, hiss, bark. <laughs> A hiss. Um, that would be nice, too. I don't know. Chimp noise? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I think the chimp noise one I have heard, but that's okay. <laughs> I wasn't aiming for that. That was what was really disturbing. Um, but, well, you've accomplished something new and different. Then. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's not, But it's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so there's good noises and bad noises. Yeah, and I love the fact that uh, she, she made a woman meow is, of course, by the line that Bruno Kirby gives. And I think Bruno Kirby... Kirby and Carrie Fisher are kind of like the unsung heroes of this movie because oh. they really help keep it together. I mean, we were, we were talking uh, during the break about how we love uh, the fact that this is a complete movie from start to finish. There's really no weak points. But I think the right. two of them do a fantastic job. Oh, I, I agree. I think they, they're very important in being like the yin and the yang and the opposites. And Actually, I think Carrie, Carrie Fisher has the best great – one of the best great running gags, if not the best running gag at least early in the movie when she's talking about an Arthur and, you know, Arthur did this, Arthur did that. He's never he just bought a new his, dining room table. He's never going to leave, leave his wife. You're right. You're right. I know you're right. He's yeah. never going to leave her. You're right. You're right. I know It is. Right. And it never gets really resolved, I guess, what happens to Arthur. I mean, I guess she gets together with Bruno Kirby and then and we never hear from Arthur, Arthur again. again. The mystical tunes of Name That 80s Tune. I am psyched. Um. I'm psyched, too. Let's do it. This has nothing to do with When Harry Met Sally whatsoever, but it's a tradition, and we'll stick to it nonetheless. This, of course, is a weekly contest where we play a piece of a song from the 80s. If you know the name of the artist and the song title, you email us at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com, and you get a chance to win a baseball cap from TBT. So anyway, without further ado, let's listen to last week's clip. That, of course, is She Talks in Stereo by Gary Myrick. Did you recognize it? I did not. I thought that was a tricky one. Did you, do you own the uh, Valley Girl soundtrack? No, I do not. <laughs> Would you like to borrow mine? Cool. <laughs> it's got Monster of Love on it. It's got a lot of plimsolls on it. It's a great, it's a great uh, soundtrack. I love the yeah, They're all over the soundtrack. So. That was the clip. The only, one, only one person got it right this week. Colleen Kelly from Crystal Lake, Illinois. Congratulations, Colleen. Unfortunately, Colleen has already won the award, so she does not get to get another baseball cap. What if she's a baseball cap collector? She could be. If you are, What if she wants to sell it on eBay and earn another nickel? No, instead she gets my copy of uh, When Harry Met Sally's soundtrack. (laughs) Autographed by Steve and, well, not Harry Connick Jr. I've wiped this tear stains off of it. 
And uh, so I'm pretty sure it's uh, something I can send in the mail. No, we'll find something to send Colleen um, when we get some more freebies around here. But uh, until then, let's listen to next week's or this week's music clip. Ah, a little bit more familiar, maybe. A little bit more familiar, I think. Okay, let's play it one more time. Okay, that's the only hint you get. That's no hint at all. But you should really get this. Anybody should get this if you're an 80s fan. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Anyway, if you think you know the name of the song and the title, email us at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com, and uh, we'll let you know on a future show if you want or not. And if you've already run, please note on your entry (laughs) what kind of alternate prize you would like to receive from Steve's CD collection. We're going to take photos of Sharon in her uh, po- in her plaid uh, Simon LeBond jacket today and, and she, she's going to autograph those and send them along too as well. So, and I'll be happy to do it. Hi, Steve and the gang at Stuck in the 80s. This is Peter Ryan from Montreal, Canada phoning saying great job on the podcast. We really enjoy listening to them up here in Canada. We're Stuck in the 80s and we know that you are too. Mr. Ryan, thanks for calling in. You know, I bet Peter Ryan has no trouble whatsoever with women. He is, after all, a French-Canadian. Oh, he has absolutely no trouble. Any man with an accent has... Any man with a non-American accent has no trouble getting a woman. So are you saying that um, there's more secrets I could have learned from this movie if I had just uh, toned down my own testosterone a bit, maybe? Yes, I believe so, Steve. If, if you hadn't been so worried about all the secrets your side was giving up, you could have been more in tune with some of the women's secrets that were there. Well, what, well, what were some of the other women's secrets that I missed then? So, uh, the, well, did you know about the whole thing about the transitional man? The transitional man. When... Uh, Carrie Fisher and Meg Ryan and the other woman are, are having lunch at the beginning of the movie, right after she breaks up with Steve. Oh, yeah. Where she says sure. she announces she's broken up with Steve Joe, Gerald Ford's kid. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> and, you know, that. Carrie Fisher gets out her Rolodex, which is not a woman's secret. Actually, we don't know. Carrie Rolodex is filled with names of men we think are eligible. And, but, you know, when Carrie Fisher starts trying to find. Sally a date and Sally says there's no use in you hooking me up with somebody right now when all they will be is my transitional man. Transitional man. I think men have a similar term. We call it the rebound girl. So tell me. Okay. So then tell me. So tell me this. Then when Carrie Fisher sends flowers to herself, is that is that just something she came up with, or is that another woman's trick? Oh, that's another woman's trick. Oh, you're kidding me. Nope. 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 I have fallen for that one before. <laughs> I have fallen for that one big time. God, yeah. Now, now great. I didn't have enough uncertainty in my life already. And now you've filled it with it. What, yeah. what, are the, what are some of the other secrets I may have missed? Okay, the days of the week underpants, which people believe don't exist. Men might not believe actually exist, but they do. They do? There are such a thing as days of the week underpants. And no, there is no Sunday because of God. Because of God? God, you know, God would be insulted to have, you know, be associated with underwear. Is it, is it too personal so. if I ask you if you ever owned... I, I once did own Days of the Week underpants. So then what did you do on Sunday? You get another pair. I had more than six <laughs> pairs of underwear. See, that's another girl's secret because but, all guys have three pairs of underwear. That and, we wash wash them, and, you just, and we wash them every three weeks whether they need them or not. <laughs> that we knew. <laughs> Except we thought it was like month, maybe, every month. Hey. But, but no, and... But, you know, days of the week, underpants are fun, and you mix it up every once in a while and go wild and wear Tuesday on Wednesday. And, and, but there is, no, there is no Sunday. God. I and never... there's, there's no conspiracy behind it, you know. Do they still make them, do you so, think? 
I'm sure somebody days somewhere of the week songs days maybe of the, days of the week days of the week G strings. Well, because everything's days of the week songs would be a little hard because you know part of the charm of the days of the week underwear was they had the name of the day of the week printed on them and it'd be hard it, to get okay, on a now because I've never seen them in person. <laughs> I have to ask this: Where was the name of the week printed? Um, oh, it's been so long. It was definitely on on the band. You know, okay. I think it was also like stamped over the front or the back. All, all over. Oh, all over. All okay, over, as well as on the little. That could have been a much more awkward question, but uh, <laughs> thankful for all our readers that they were all listeners going, okay, Steve, get on with the show. Hey, actually, I've, I've pulled together some really good uh, trivia questions to see just how much of a fan of the movie you are. Yeah, okay. So I, if I could just get the Days of the Week underpants out of my brain right now. <laughs> but- ah, Tuesday. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, there was another 80s star – Big big time eighties movie star who was actually offered the role of Sally in this movie. Do you know who it was? Oh, I think I used to. Uh, Molly Ringwald was the. Uh, okay. She was uh, she was too busy to handle it. Although years later, she would actually take up the uh, role of Sally on the stage version of the movie, which I never knew there was a stage I version. I never knew there was a stage version of the movie. Either. Bad trend. I really don't like this trend nowadays, where every mm. cool eighties movie has to become a, a stage. Like, and it's not just cool eighties movie. It's it's part of this whole creative cycle going on where people are either running out of ideas or refusing to come up with new ideas. So they're just taking, you know, 80s movies, all kinds of movies, and making them into stage musicals. Yeah. Yay. Anyway, here's another question for you. I thought I had a good question for you. Um, we already said that the character of Harry Burns is somewhat based on Rob Lowe. Not Rob Lowe. Boy, that's really... <laughs> I, I no, okay. no, no, Rob, Rob Lowe. Not wow. this particular movie, anyway. Rob, Rob, Rob Lowe in his geek days. If yeah, Rob Lowe ever Rob had a geek Reiner. Day. The um, female character, Sally, is also based on someone involved in the movie production. Who was that? I don't know. Was it Nora Ephron? Nora Ephron? Yeah. Okay. In fact, some of the lo- the whole uh, ordering everything on the side during meals, that was a Nora Ephron habit. Well, I can understand why Carl Bernstein dumped her. Then. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have dumped her too if that's. Yeah, you know. that would get annoying after a while. And uh, the movie came out in 1989. It was not nominated for Best Picture of the Year for an Oscar, strangely enough. Um, several movies were. Here are the movies that, for some reason, the Academy thought were better Driving Miss Daisy, Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poet Society, Field of Dreams, and My Left Foot. Field of, I like Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams but... is good. Which one of those actually won? Best picture. I oh, wasn't it driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, actually, and actually, uh, when Harry Met Sally was nominated for one Academy Award for Best Writing, well, okay, okay. and it lost to Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably a good guess. Dead Poet Society. Oh, okay. But in our minds, this is one of the best movies, not only of 1989 but of the 80s. We shall forever worship it here and forever and ever, ever, and uh, until it is it is properly recognized by the Academy. We will stand in boycott of all further 1989 movies, <laughs> especially that dreaded My Left a Foot. foot. We will it? never do a podcast never. on My Left Foot. So tune in next week for our podcast on My Left, left Foot. <laughs> and a special call-in from Daniel Day-Lewis. Right. Anyway, so we thank you for listening, and until then, until we talk to you next time, we remain here firmly, stuck in the 80s. Either, either, I neither, I neither. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the online department of the St. Petersburg Times and TBT. If you'd like to email us, please do at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com 
And remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. Oh, God. Oh.